0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Today we gather with Jesus as he teaches his disciples on a mountain, a mountain meant to recall the giving of the law to Moses. The law was a gift from God, intended to order Israel's life to reflect God's wisdom and glory. The law was not a burden. The law was a gift to shape God's people. And today we have Emmanuel, God with us, forming us as a community around himself in the way only he could to turn us into a Christ-shaped people. If we'll follow him, love him, listen to what he says, and do what we see him doing, we're promised that we'll find true and abundant life. We'll even become the light of the world, a city on a hill radiating goodness and light to all. With his mountaintop teaching, Jesus is not doing away with the law that was a gift to Israel but he's working with the tradition. He's interpreting and getting to the core of the matter. What he's doing I think is a bit like good parenting. You have boundaries and you work with them and you interpret them as needed and that's often needed a lot in parenting. You interpret them so that your beloved children will thrive and grow and be happy. Jesus is going through the letter of the law, and he's getting to the spirit of it. And the spirit of the law, which he has the unique ability to draw out as God's wisdom incarnate, the spirit of the law is meant to enlarge the capacity of our hearts so that we will see others in the image of God. The righteousness that Jesus calls his followers into is about our relationships. Dorothy Day, the founder of the Catholic worker movement, used to say to her fellow workers, particularly in difficult and stressful times, and if you know the scope of Dorothy's work, what time wasn't difficult and stressful, she would say, if each of us could just remember that we're all created in the image of God, then we would naturally want to love more. I think Dorothy's getting to the spirit of God's law. It's meant to awaken the eyes of our heart to see the dignity of others. And Jesus, as the risen one, is always in our midst, always in our midst, awakening our hearts, as he forms us into a community of his followers, his disciples, those who sit at his feet to learn and be shaped, a community learning to see the dignity of our brothers and sisters. He's teaching us to see others as he sees them, which is to say the spiritual life is a labor of vision, renewed sight. The teaching on the mountain that we receive today The Sermon on the Mount, or at least a snippet of it, is a roadmap for our communal life as we seek to be disciples, learning to see the world from God's vantage point. So let's take a look at how he interprets some of the law today, because all of that might sound nice, but I'm glossing over the text, you might think. He says, it's not only do not murder, but pay attention to what leads to murder, your anger. Guard your heart. Guard your heart and pay attention to your anger and see that it does not turn us against each other. See that it doesn't have us begin wiping out the divine image in our neighbor. It's about relationships. And Jesus is clear-eyed. Anger is human. He was human. And he's not saying that our anger is going to cease to exist. We might experience some of that anger today. But what he is saying is that our anger can be transformed through his grace. Through his grace. It's by the power of his crucified, outstretched love working in us that we can put to death destructive anger That wants to tear others down. We can choose life. We can choose to live as a community of peacemakers. We can choose reconciliation over annihilation. We can use our words for blessing and not cursing others. It's when we forget or refuse to recognize that we're all made in the image of God that our anger dishes out death to our neighbors. We tear down, demonize, create an enemy, decide that certain people, and it's always the poorest people, should have to deal with our wasteful consumption. We should throw up a wall around everyone, not like us, and claim that certain races are superior to others, and keep on with the patriarchal system that seeks to lord power over one half of the world's population. Jesus is clear. If we are not building bridges as peacemakers, if we're not reconciling with our brothers and sisters and learning to serve each other in love, then we're missing the vision of the kingdom of God. Righteousness is about our relationships, honoring each other, serving one another, washing feet even loving our enemy. So also, the prohibition of adultery extends beyond any single act to a whole orientation around relationships. This is an example I can give. I could come up with several, but this one will do, because it's what I have here. I'll have to admit that sometimes I'm surprised that when I'm walking around these streets in these clothes, not exactly these clothes, but you know, the black shirt and collar and all of that. When I'm walking around in those, clearly a symbol bearer of something. Most people know it's the church. Some people think it's an interesting Halloween costume, but a symbol bearer. Here I go walking around. I'm I'm surprised that I still see many men routinely dehumanizing women by their objectifying stares. And If we think that it's the duty of women to shield their bodies to avoid tempting men, we're completely sidestepping the issue. Men consistently exhibiting behavior that fails to honor the divine image in women. Or if we look at the stuff around divorce, in Jesus' day, a woman was property, objectified. That's my example of the objectifying stare, something less than a person carrying the image of God. So in Jesus's day, the man could just say, I'm done. The woman was simply property. So he's saying to the men gathered around him, you heard it was said this, I'm telling you this. And the women gathered around him, feeling for the first time ever seen, recognized, understood. Jesus is getting to the heart of the matter So we need to be clear that Christ is calling us to this mutuality of relationship, this spiritual vision, to see the divine image. And we need to come to terms with any form of sin, which is to say broken down relationship, that seeks to exercise power and control over anyone, not least women not only with objectifying stares, but in all the ways that women are treated as second class. Salaries, job opportunity, i mean, the list goes on and on. So patriarchy, which has been the history of the world, sadly, and the dehumanizing world that it's created, can only be torn down and replaced by the outstretched love of Christ, that love which has the power to transform our hearts and clarify our spiritual vision. And it seems important to say that this morning, Christ is not calling us to be fearful and to kind of shrink back and live a life trying not to commit the big sins, and that Christianity is just a kind of bland moralism about a bunch of rules. No, Christ is giving us a new way of life that demands more, and promises more. So the idea is not for us to leave church today with a deep paranoia about anger or lust. Instead, we have the Word made flesh inviting us into a new and abundant way of life. As Dorothy Day said, if each of us could just remember that we're all created in the image of God, then we would naturally want to love more. We're here this morning following Christ up the mountain because we want to hear his voice. We want to be his community of disciples. We want to walk in his ways. Put simply, we want to love more. And by his never-failing goodness and mercy, Christ, the risen one, is here, pouring himself out to us in word word and sacraments, so that we might be healed, restored, and renewed as his community of disciples, a community learning to see the divine image in our neighbor, so as we stretch out our hands to receive his life, so that it might become our life. Pray that we might receive his saving grace so that we, his body, might be the light of the world, Christ-shaped, outstretched in love. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.